Good afternoon. Can everyone hear me? Okay, that, I believe so. Um, my name's Aaron Blaschus, and I'm the principal product manager in EC2, and I am responsible for bare metal instances. We're very excited to talk to you about bare metal instances, but as I've only been working on the project for a few months, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Matt Wilson, who's been working on it for much longer, to go into the details to start things off. Matt? Thanks, Aaron. Uh, my name is Matt Wilson. I'm a senior principal engineer on EC2. Um, I work on uh, the core components of EC2 uh, that run on the hosts, on each host that, uh, that's running EC2 instances. So the hypervisor and the, operating, the core operating system, uh, networking and storage components. And I've been doing this for about uh, seven and a half years now. And uh, so for seven and a half years, you have to imagine I love my job. I love working for... Amazon Web, Web Services. Um, and I love working here for a lot of reasons, but uh, one that, um, that really motivates me and the teams that I work with um, is, is you, it's customers, uh, and our customer obsession. So you can, you can definitely tell that AWS loves our customers, uh, and we have a lot of them. Um, yeah, and you all are very smart, creative, and sometimes a little demanding. So. Uh, I get pulled in when customers um, are facing challenges running in EC2, like uh, if they're trying to build new things that haven't run natively in the cloud before. Uh, and I love that with uh, AWS, I get to talk directly to customers about how we can improve EC2. I especially love coming to reInvent uh, because so many of the conversations here uh, are not necessarily about what's going, uh, what, what could be better, but about how what we've built completely changes the way that our customers do business. And your excitement is very energizing for us, so thank you for that. Uh, we also look for opportunities to partner really deeply with customers uh, when we're building new things. Because we also love to build at AWS. And, uh, but we always start with customers, uh, customer use cases, and work backwards so that we know that we're building the right thing, and not necessarily things that customers ask for, but uh, general purpose building blocks that other customers could use to build things that, that we never imagined. Um, and for almost two years now, um, I've had a, a real pleasure of partnering very deeply with the customer that I never expected to work with while uh, I worked for, for AWS, uh, because there was a time when some people would say that uh, we didn't see eye to eye. And that's our, our partner, VMware. So um, we actually had our first meeting before we, uh, we forged the partnership uh, in early 2016. Uh, and we sat down uh, with engineers and product managers from both companies. And VMware uh, shared their vision for building uh, a, a managed software-defined data center as a service. Uh, so I'd like to actually in invite uh, uh, Narayan from VMware to share that vision that they gave to us uh, in that first meeting uh, of building VMware Cloud on AWS. Narayan? Thanks, Doc Matt. Thank you very much. Hopefully you can hear me loud and clear. Great. Thanks a lot, and uh, it's great to be here. One of the things that we came up uh, in the meeting and as we were discussing our overall sort of cloud strategy you know, if you rewind a couple of years ago, uh, there's this notion of consistent infrastructure. We wanted 
to you know, take our customers on a journey to the public cloud and a consistent infrastructure model. And so as part of being you know, extremely customer-driven, shared value that we have with AWS, we really listen to our customers and solve for a couple of different design points. Right? So one of our key design points early on was how can we move all the enterprise class applications that run on VMware today, typically in an on-premises data center, and move that, move that to a leading public cloud, all the benefits of the public cloud, with a consistent infrastructure model with no change to your operational mindset or tooling uh, or third-party tools that you may be using on top of that enterprise application stack. The second design point was how can we connect more natively with the broad range of AWS services as new applications are being built, leveraging all of the core capabilities of AWS services and your analytic services, databases, et cetera, et cetera. How can we bring the two worlds together? And so really as part of that, sorry, I skipped a slide ahead, sorry about that. Uh, as part of that, we really defined an overall vision of our solution. And really there are three parts to the solution. The first part in the middle is really about the consistent infrastructure stack consisting of all of the goodness from VMware that we have been shipping over the last several years. vSphere, vSAN, NSX. So you get all the benefits of enterprise-grade compute with our leading hypervisor solution with ESXi and control plane of vCenter. Uh, the enterprise-grade shared storage of vSAN with all the benefits of dedupe compression, erasure coding, all of that enterprise-grade shared storage benefits that, uh, that customers have known to love over the last several years. And finally, NSX which is our software-defined networking stack uh, that provides a consistent networking view for on-premises customers and also in the public cloud. So that's sort of the core design principle that to present the entire VMware stack in a public cloud with all the benefits of the bare metal infrastructure, uh, you know, easily add and remove hosts um, without human intervention, right? Huge benefits. Ability to leverage the global regions, 16 plus regions around the world, the 47 availability zones, right? So really bring the best of both worlds together. So that was the core sort of um, aspect of the solution. The second aspect was to make this a truly hybrid solution. Really have deep connectivity with the on-premises VMware infrastructure. Leveraging you know, native principles of vCenter, uh, networking with NSX, and a lot of other options, including AWS Direct Connect. The third principle was really to natively integrate with AWS services uh, in the same AZs, right? These, these are sitting side by side. So there's no reason why a virtual machine sitting in VMware on a VMware stack should not be able to talk to the broad set of AWS services uh, in a native manner, in an integrated manner, right? So that was the design principles that we threw on the whiteboard and slides, and uh, that was many years ago. <laughs> two years ago, to be precise. And uh, we've made a tremendous amount of progress. Timeline-wise, it's worked out really well in terms of this partnership. We were on a customer-driven journey to instantiate a consistent infrastructure in the cloud, and AWS was on a journey of their own as well with bare metal servers. Uh, so that, that was a challenge. And then Matt will you know, take it over from here and talk about the overall solution and the underpinning of this. Thanks. And so when we have those kind of first customer exploration meetings where uh, they have a vision, they have a dream of something that they want to build, um, I always like to, to uh, 
um, kind of make sure that I, that I, that I heard what, what the customer is saying, and we, were, we listened closely. And, and so, what I, uh, so today, or at least uh, in, until we announce bare metal servers, this is basically a slide that we, that we typically use to introduce EC2 to, to customers who might not be familiar with it. Uh, so uh, EC2 is uh, it's a cloud service that makes it easy for you to obtain virtual servers, known as instances, quickly, uh, inexpensively and without making up upfront capital expenditures. So um, ESX uh, and, and vSAN and, and, uh, and NSX don't really fit in this picture very well. So what I, what I heard from the, from the VMware team is that they want this. Then they want to be able to have uh, compute resources that they can provision just like an EC2 instance with an API. Uh, they want uh, VPC networking to have uh, native integration with other AWS services. Uh, they need fast local storage uh, to put into a vSAN cluster. And they needed to be able to run uh, ESX on the server itself, uh, not, on, not on a virtual machine, not in nested virtualization, uh, but directly on the underlying processors. So um, this got me really excited. So I told the team uh, that, that came to visit us in Seattle two things. Uh, first, I told them, I want you as a customer. Um, and it's because I know virtualization technology. It's what we, what we use it uh, still deeply in, in EC2. Uh, it's a demanding, very uh, uh, technical workload uh, that today, or at least uh, two years ago, uh, didn't necessarily work uh, with EC2 instances in a seamless way. So um, it's a workload that, uh, that in order to, to really uh, fulfill the vision that VMware had of, uh, of having really native integration with other AWS services, we were going to have to partner deeply at an engineering level. Uh, EC2 and AWS were going to have to build new things. And also VMware was going to have to uh, change, change things, build new, new technologies and capabilities uh, for example, hybrid link mode uh, that lets you take your uh, VMware cloud on AWS um, software-defined data center and link it back to your on-prem environment. And VMware, I knew, had, has a world-class engineering team um, and enterprise customers, so they have an extremely high technical bar. Uh, and I knew that working with them uh, was going to help make EC2 better for everyone. Because uh, if it works great for VMware, if it passes their, uh, their, their extensive testing uh, and qualification, it's going to be rock solid for enterprise. I also had a hunch that um, maybe working with AWS might also rub off onto, onto VMware, and they might learn some things about how to build a successful cloud service. The other thing that I told them was that we can build what you need. Uh, we can build an EC2 instance that will fully support VMware's virtualization technology, run natively, uh, na natively run ESX, and provide wicked fast NVMe-based local instance storage uh, for a vSAN, and also be a native component uh, run within a, a VPC for networking, and even have fast elastic provisioning uh, by booting off of EBS uh, volumes. In fact, we were already uh, designing and building this. Um, it was going to be our uh, software, uh, our storage optimized i3 instance, which we didn't launch until later. But uh, before we get to i3, 
Um, we should actually rewind the tape a little bit because uh, we've been building the underlying technology that makes bare metal EC2 instances possible uh, for quite a while. Um, so if you caught the Tuesday Night Live keynote with Peter DeSantis last night, then you heard kind of the highlights of the story. Uh, but in case you missed it, uh, let me catch you up and also fill in a lot more of the details. Uh, so for more than four years, we've incrementally been moving the software that, uh, that implements networking and storage uh, functionality in EC2 instances from software that runs within our virtualization environment and our hypervisor and onto uh, purpose-built dedicated hardware. And so we use a lot of different project code names uh, over this multi-year journey, uh, but one of them uh, that our VMware <laughs> colleagues know very well is Nitro, and uh, that, that name is stuck. So uh, this is our Nitro-based system. So the goal is to get as much software out of the way as possible uh, so that customer workloads can make use of practically all of the system resources uh, of a server and to be indistinguishable from bare metal performance. <clears throat> so virtualization is a very important component of EC2 uh, for carving up resources on a server and providing an additional security layer between customer instances and the physical infrastructure. Uh, but we wanted to bypass that hypervisor by using some hardware features. So um, we can use, uh, when, we were, when we started our, our, our journey four years ago, our plan was to use uh, a hardware virtualization technology from Intel called uh, Intel Virtualization Tra Technology for Directed I.O., which is called VTD, uh, and a PCI feature called SRIOV uh, to enable safe hyper hypervisor bypass and hardware device sharing between multiple instances. So we started um, by moving networking for, C3, for uh, C3 instances that launched in November of 2013. Uh, so there are a number of uh, network offload cards on the market. Uh, they were used for things like hard hardware load balancers that Peter also mentioned last night. So we were able to use a fairly off-the-shelf component for doing the, uh, the network processing and offloading the VPC software-defined network onto, uh, onto a dedicated hardware. But that component did not support SRIOV. So uh, we had to use an additional component from Intel, their 82599 10-gigabit Ethernet NIC. And so the uh, offload card basically acted as a bump in the wire. Um, and did the, the processing, you would deliver it uh, uh, for the, the last mile was an, uh, a virtual function from the A2599 chip. <clears throat> so with networking offloaded to hardware and the hypervisor bypass, C3 instances were able to use 20% more additional network bandwidth and saw a 50% improvement in latency when they were using enhanced networking. So our next step was going to be to move EBS onto dedicated hardware. But we were faced with a challenge. Um, while the network offload hardware was pretty common, uh, it didn't provide any way for us to provide a native block storage interface. And um, we could build something that uh, provided EBS volumes over a network protocol like iSCSI. And in fact, we briefly considered uh, using iSCSI for EBS before we launched it in 2008. Uh, but Back then, we really wanted EBS to be a familiar and simple to use interface, 
And that's a block uh, device with no additional hassles like configuring iSCSI initiators and network stack overhead. So um, during our search for hardware that could provide that native block storage interface, uh, we were connected with a startup fabulous uh, semiconductor company called Annapurna Labs. They had a very cool chip that could handle both networking and storage, and they had extensive support for SRIOV. Um, and the team there was super sharp. Uh, we made a, and, and they were uh, more Amazonian than, than any company that I had worked with as a, as a hardware company. So uh, as a customer of the VMware, of the, uh, of the Annapurna te uh, Labs team, they would anticipate our needs before we even asked for them. It was, it was pretty amazing. So we made a bold bet uh, to, to uh, build our second generation Nitro offload cards using their chip. The Annapurna Labs was an early adopter of a new storage uh, interface called NVM Express. And so NVMe, uh, it's also called NVMe. NVMe is a technology that's designed to attach flash-based storage directly to systems using PCI interfaces. Um, and so Annapurna Labs chip is able to uh, provide NVMe storage devices that are backed by a network interface. And that's just what we needed to offload EBS. Uh, so I really love the design of NVMe uh, as a programming interface. Um, it's super efficient over PCI. It was designed uh, to, to be uh, low transactions over PCI. And it scales very well through multiple uh, submission and completion queues. Uh, so as you have more available CPUs, you can actually have dedicated uh, queues that are uh, kind of lined up so that uh, a single CPU can issue I.O. to the device and you don't have to redistribute work around uh, when that I.O. completes. Um, it scales out with multiple interrupts. This is kind of like if you're, if, uh, you're familiar with multi-queue networking. It's a very similar concept. So um, the other thing about, uh, about NVMe is that uh, we're able to tap into a broad ecosystem of, of support, uh, including dri drivers and operating systems and platform firmware. Uh, in fact, my laptop has an NVMe SSD in it, and it just boots up just like any other laptop I've had. Uh, we also knew that NVMe was going to be the next big step in storage technology for local instant storage. Uh, and so uh, by using NVMe for EBS, we would give customers a common block device interface for future EC2 instances. And so this is how uh, EBS is, is wired up, starting with the release of C4 instances in early 2015. So I don't show any of the, uh, the networking uh, part here for simplicity, but uh, it's basically we use the new Annapurna Labs chip in the same way that we use the, uh, the first generation uh, uh, network offload card as a bump in the wire NIC uh, with a Intel NIC providing the last mile interface to customers. So that's how four, uh, C4 instances uh, uh, support 82599-based enhanced networking. Um, so even though we believed that the NVMe interface would be the future unified storage interface for EC2, uh, we weren't quite ready to, um, to expose EBS over NVMe and then uh, require drivers and, 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 uh, and customer AMIs uh, to, to support it. So under the covers, the Linux kernel that's running uh, the management VM 
in uh, Zen-based systems called DOM0 uh, uses its NVMe driver to access the EBS volume. Uh, and EC2 instances that run on Zen uh, use a Zen pair virtual split driver uh, model for block and network devices uh, to issue I.O. So EB, uh, DOM0 basically takes a request over a shared ring from the EC2 instance, it copies it uh, and modifies that request as an NVMe request, and then when it completes, it sends the response back to the, to the instance. So um, all the processing needing, needed to communicate with the EBS server, um, and, as well as all the cryptographic operations required for EBS um, encrypted volumes happens on the Nitro card. And this means that we have more resources available to provide to EC2 instances. Uh, so for C4, it per, we were able to provide 12.5% more compute uh, to the largest instance size because we didn't have to uh, dedicate cores in DOM0 for processing EBS traffic. And now uh, EBS has dedicated networking and processing so that all our instances, instances became EBS optimized by default. And the next component that we built for our Nitro system uh, is NVMe, uh, local NVMe storage. So this is a Nitro card that, um, that actually brings our, our two storylines back together because this is where, uh, where VMware re-enters the scene. So Annapurna Labs chip can provide NVMe storage that's backed by a network device like we used for EBS offloads, but can also use local flash storage. And with the ever-increasing I.O. capacity of flash-based storage devices, we knew that we weren't going to be able to deliver all of the performance, all the capabilities of uh, next-generation uh, storage devices if we tried to virtualize them in software running on the Intel cores, at least not without spending a tremendous amount of CPU. So uh, just like our, uh, our Nitro network cards protect our physical network by placing customer traffic uh, in an overlay, and that's what VPC technology basically does, um, and presenting a tightly controlled hardware interface to instances, local NVMe storage cards uh, protect the physical storage from customer instances. For example, uh, unauthorized firmware modifications for the underlying uh, flash devices can't happen because the, um, the NVMe interface that we expose to instances doesn't support the firmware update command. And the NVMe local, uh, the local NVMe uh, storage is also transparently encrypted um, uh, for any customer data that's written to the underlying flash. So this encryption is always on, and it uses a key that's, uh, that's known to the, to the local NVMe Nitro card, uh, and, and it's nowhere else. So uh, it's really, it's implemented in using hardware, cryptographic offloads within the, uh, the Annapurna Labs SOC. And that key is not stored on the underlying flash storage. And so when customer instances are stopped or terminated uh, to, uh, to handle data confidentiality for the, uh, any data that's written on the flash devices, uh, we basically shred the key. That key gets completely destroyed. Uh, and that makes whatever data was stored on the, the flash storage irretrievable. Um, so v VMware was actually the first 
external customer to use the NVMe storage cards that we built for i3. Uh, this was even before we, uh, we put them in our EC2 instances, uh, we were in a, a hardware test lab uh, installing uh, ESX uh, and, and running against uh, uh, the, the hardware as we were developing it. Uh, so, because VMware planned to use vSAN to build and manage uh, clustered storage for VMware Cloud on AWS using this local NVMe storage of i3 instances, uh, they performed extensive validation of the performance and the correctness of the system. Um, and they actually found a couple of correctness bugs uh, in the encryption layer because of their extensive uh, uh, checksumming and, uh, uh, and testing. Um, and these were legitimate bugs that that uh, could have caused problems for other customers uh, after EC2 launched, but we were able to define them and, and correct them very quickly because of the quality of the bug reports from VMware engineers. With our local NVMe storage cards, uh, we now have a scalable building block that we can use to deliver storage, optimize instances like i3 uh, that can handle over three million IOs per second across eight NVMe devices they also, but we also can offer uh, smaller local instance storage devices like the ones that we have in our FPGA accelerated instances. So with all that local storage, and NVMe uh, local storage also has, a, there's uh, a lot of it, and the, the, the uh, bandwidth that it can handle in, in terms of uh, uh, streaming to the, the devices is huge. Um, with all that local storage, i3 instances also need very fast networking to move all, uh, a ton of data. So um, i3 instances were one of the first to use 25 gigabit ethernet technology. But here we had another challenge. Uh, the Intel A2599 hardware that we were using to provide the last mile interface of en enhanced networking to EC2 instances only supports 10 gigabit ethernet technology. So we couldn't use it to deliver 25 gigabits of networking to EC2 instances. So we designed a new networking interface with our colleagues at Annapurna Labs, the Elastic Network Adapter. Uh, with ENA, we can deliver more networking bandwidth uh, to EC2 instances, and it uses a lot of concepts that we love from NVMe, uh, like multiple queues and the way that the, uh, that the, the queue descriptors work and having a, uh, an extendable management interface. So um, with ENA, we're able to deliver 25 and, and, uh, and, and more uh, gigabits to, to instances in the future. So in our latest instances like i3 and um, r4, x1, f1, um, this is what uh, enhanced networking uh, plumbing kind of looks like. Uh, we eliminated the Intel A2599 chip, which is also a component we don't have to buy anymore, uh, which is always good for our, uh, keeping our costs down. Um, and instances use ENA interfaces uh, that are provided directly by the hardware on our on our Nitro card. And uh, the next step was really to get rid of all the rest of the software that, uh, that, that ran on 
Don Zero. And so in November 2017, um, we launched our first public EC2 instance that's built exclusively on Nitro system components, including a new hypervisor that, uh, that's designed to work in conjunction with the Nitro hardware. So new internal services that manage and monitor our uh, full Nitro system eliminate the DOM0 management virtual machine that's been using the, um, the resources from the Intel hosts that we want to provide to customers. Uh, those services do things like they distribute the network overlay information uh, uh, when customers make VPC configuration changes, like adding a new interface or changing a security group rule. Uh, and they, uh, um, uh, and also, you know, provides uh, uh, um, uh, the monitoring and, uh, and other components like uh, CloudWatch logs, uh, Cloud, CloudWatch metrics. And here, our uh, partnership with VMware is also key because they were the first external customer to run on the Nitro system end-to-end -end while we were still developing it. Um, and through that uh, extensive testing and, and engineering uh, partnership, uh, uh, and the monitoring that VMware has of the network um, for making sure that, uh, that the overall cluster uh, stays healthy, they did uncover a bug or two during our development. So we were able to iron all those out, and everyone who's running on C5 instances uh, benefits from, from, that, uh, from that engineering level partnership. But really, our first 100% uh, Nitro system were the production bare metal instances that we used to launch VMware Cloud on AWS in August. So uh, we actually had a, a, a production-ready system uh, well before we launched C5 uh, uh, with, with VMware as a very sensitive customer, uh, very demanding customer, and, and, uh, and everything working ready to support uh, enterprise workloads. So if we put everything together, uh, just looking at the overall components, uh, this is what's under the hood in i3 instances. You have two Intel processors uh, that are connected via QPI interconnect. Uh, you have uh, 512 gigs of RAM and eight 1.9 terabyte uh, SSDs. And there's a, a Nitro card with a couple of uh, network connections for VPC networking and EBS storage. Uh, and then there are a number of Nitro cards that uh, provide uh, NVMe local storage and protect both the underlying flash devices and customer uh, data through encryption. Now, since all these cards uh, provide PCI interfaces for I.O. and all the management and monitoring components uh, have been eliminated from the host processor, and what keeps us from running bare metal instances? Well, obviously security. Uh, this is actually one of the first questions that, uh, that I saw on Twitter after we uh, announced bare metal instances last night. How do you secure this thing from all the persistent firmware malware? Well, security and operations are the top two priorities at AWS. So security of our infrastructure is baked in from day one. Uh, the last component of the system uh, that I'll talk about today is the Nitro security chip. This is a component that's integrated directly on our motherboards. All system tra bus traffic for accessing flash uh, for firmware over SPI or other management functions on I2C for SMBus are physically routed through this chip. It can also uh, assert various 
lines on the motherboard to reset processors or other components, like the BMC, the management controller, and hold them in reset so that uh, uh, any code that would be executed from flash uh, is not executed. So uh, the system startup goes something like this. Uh, the security chip holds the, the Intel CPUs and the BMC in reset, um, and then inspects the contents of flash over SPI. Once all the platform firmware is verified uh, and everything checks out, we release the hold on the system so that it can proceed through the typical BIOS uh, initialization process, and then it, it waits for further instructions. So when an API request comes in uh, from the public EC2 service endpoint to start an i3 metal instance, our internal eight, uh, EC2 services get to work identifying what capacity we're going to use to host the instance and creating other resources like EBS volumes and VPC net, uh, network interfaces and so on. Then other in internal services use APIs that are provided by the Nitro cards to set up all the devices that the instance will use. So the EBS volume NVMe devices and the uh, VPC elastic network interfaces uh, uh, as uh, ENA. So essentially, what the overall system is, is an API-defined server at the hardware, at the device level. So once all the interfaces are configured, the host just boots up as normal, just like my laptop boots from its internal NVMe drive, except it's booting from an EBS volume. And the first time we had that working in the lab, it was like magic. I still get goosebumps. It's... So um, to run bare metal instances, uh, it's pretty simple. You just uh, change the, the uh, name that you use for the instance type uh, in the run instances API invocation to i3.metal. And you just need to have an AMI that, um, that supports a couple of things, uh, such as ENA networking, uh, booting from NVMe as a boot drive, uh, and also PCIe native hot plug for live ENI and EBS volume attachment and detachment. Um, so most AMIs that run on C5 are compatible because C5 instances also boot from NVMe and they use NVMe exclusively to access EBS volumes. Uh, and they use ENA exclusively for networking. So uh, bare metal instances fit very nicely into the new uh, kind of ecosystem of, of EC2 instances that are based off of the Nitro system. So um, if you log into an i3 metal instance, you'll notice a ton of PCI devices. Uh, if you run LSPCI on uh, a regular uh, virtualized EC2 instance, you'll see like five devices. But on a, 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 a real host, on a, on a physical server, you have tons of Intel PCI devices for every uh, uh, PCIe root port and a, a number of other devices, but you'll also see these devices that are uh, that are from Amazon. And so uh, you, you see the Ethernet controller, that's an ENA device, a serial controller for, uh, for outputting logs so that you can re retrieve them through uh, the Git console output API. Uh, we have a couple of different types of uh, NVMe controllers. Um, you see the uh, device 0061, that's an EBS volume, and the other devices are local NVMe storage. And you can look at those as NVMe devices using the NVMe command line. You can see that, uh, that you get some more information about what those devices are 
uh, and that the first one is uh, Elastic Box Store. Uh, you, you also get the volume ID and the serial number, which I think is very cool. But I get excited about <laughs> the silliest things, right? So, uh, and then all the other local instance storage components. And so uh, now that we covered bare, how bare metal instances work and how they la laid the foundation for VMware Cloud on AWS, I'd like to turn it over uh, to Aaron to talk about other use case cases. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. So um, before I came up here, I just looked at the time and I realized that I'm standing between um, you and beer for the rest of the day. And I also want to make sure that we spend uh, some time answering questions from you guys. Um, at the end, since this is new and whenever there's something new, we always, there's people that uh, are really excited about it. But um, I also want to give you some idea about just what we've heard um, from customers so far and just give you a couple of highlights, right? Because we're always really interested on, um, on, on figuring out what customers are going to do with our building blocks so that we continue to improve and innovate on our, on our products. And the first one that comes to mind and is, a, is sort of a continuation of the, of the VMware story is virtualization. So what else can you do with virtualization? The number one use case, right, when we weren't really sure, we had some ideas about what customers were going to tell us when they started talking to us about bare metal and what we would be excited about. But, you know, we kind of wanted to keep this under wraps for a while, too. Um, so it's only been very recently that we've been talking to customers going out and saying, hey, we've got this thing, what would you do with it? The number one thing that we hear back from customers is, is uh, they would like to use, uh, take advantage of the, of the Clear Linux project and Clear Linux containers. Because they're having, uh, with, with the ability to run on bare metal, they can utilize uh, uh, compute extensions that they, weren't, that they didn't have access before. For example, VTD. So what they come back and they say, oh, you know what, um, I'm running containers in, in development, uh, in production today on AWS, but you know, I would love to be able to take advantage of this, of this, of these uh, VTD extensions, so that I can run my containers in a more isolated, more secure, and speedier fashion. So this, by far, um, is uh, is the number one thing that we've heard, and we've heard it from a number of very large customers who are extremely interested in this. And of course, um, you know, one of the we are we are always making sure that uh, we're serving our customers and. Amazon and AWS being what they are, we have to make sure that we service ourselves too, right? So uh, the internal, the internal uh, customer use case is one that we were always very key to, uh, uh, to take advantage of. And um, this one was the one that was most exciting to us. The Redshift team uh, took the i3 metal instance and they um, started using VTune to go and find out whether they could increase the performance, right? And, and to debug a few problems that they were seeing. And normally this wouldn't work, right? Because you have v, uh, VTune and just like VTD isn't something that's generally exposed in say nested virtualization or something else. So this ability wasn't, uh, this uh, capability wasn't readily available to them before. And when they ran it, uh, when they ran their VTune on, um, and their workload on i3.metal, it just, it just worked. They didn't have to do any special coding or changes. They just moved their workload right over. Um, and they got the, the benefits of VTune and um, the performance and debugging characteristics that come with it. So 
Oh, also, you know, I think uh, the, now that you've seen just a few use cases about what, what our customers have told us, and um, we've covered hypervisors in the cloud uh, with, uh, with Narayan. We've covered clear containers uh, for faster deployment container workloads, as well as um, performance, exten uh, performance counters and performance extensions like Btune. And Peter DeSantis also uh, gave an overview of, say, some, another in bare metal instance last night, which would be like uh, legacy workloads that uh, require installation on bare metal for either support or licensing reasons. But what we really want, and why the real reason that I'm standing up here is because what we want to know is we want to know what you guys would do with bare metal instances. So I'm going to show you how and encourage you to go sign up. So in, in, uh, in Amazonian fashion, while Peter was on stage last night talking, um, the, this page went live. So I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. If you go to the EC2 uh, product details page, right on top, first thing alphabetically, is bare metal instances. And it gives you a description of what you can expect. Um, this is actually, Matt's talk today was really, was, was, uh, was I always, I love listening to it. I've heard it a couple of times and seen it multiple times, but the, the level of detail that he gave, you know, makes this little sentence, which actually still makes people really excited about what they can run on EC2, uh, pale in comparison. But if you look in the bottom right-hand corner there, there's a little request form. What we're asking you to do is click on that request form. It'll, give, it'll bring you to this page. Fill it out. Include your, um, your Amazon, your AWS uh, account number. Um, just for validation purposes, and then within a, within a few days, because uh, these things are coming in very quickly, we will respond back and give you details on how you can get your, uh, your own i3.metal instance for, uh, for preview. Um, we will also, also, because of the uh, AMI situation, right, the, the AMI characteristics that need to be there, we're supporting, we're supplying AMIs for testing uh, for customers, so there's going to be uh, a couple things up there for you to try and um, some workloads that you can go through, workload examples and configuration examples so that you can go through and do things that you weren't otherwise able to do um, on, uh, on EC2. So with that, um, we would really like to know, you know, again, what you, what you plan to build. So please reach out to us. We, we love to hear from you. Uh, we love to know how to make our our platform better and what we can do to, to improve things. Um, this was a long journey that I know Matt and many others uh, put a lot of sweat and effort into it, but it's not, it's not done yet. We're going to continue to evolve this. Um, I'd also really like to thank uh, Narayan from VMware for participating today. The story of what we were able to accomplish over this time and the fact that it's been in production since August, I think, speaks volumes of the technology that we're, that we're putting uh, in customers' hands today. And um, with that, I will uh, close it up and uh, please invite anybody up for questions. Uh, the only thing I would ask is that you go to the microphone since these things are uh, safe for posterity. Yeah. So with the preview, in which regions is it going to be available? The current pre the preview is being launched in the United States only. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be available in uh, IAD and in, in PDS. Uh, 
in Sonoma. NIG and? In, 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 in Oregon. Oh, and Oregon. North, I'm sorry, Oregon and, uh, and uh, in Northern Virginia. He's still new. <laughs> and uh, is it possible to launch third-party applications for Marketplace on bare metal? Uh, so we'll need to uh, work with the, the Marketplace team to, uh, to enable um, I, uh, new instance type support. Um, so that, that, that's something that will be possible, but during the preview, uh, it, it won't be enabled until, until we uh, are generally available. Over there. Hey, yeah, question, uh, really a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. um, thanks to VMware for really opening the door for us too, for other ISP vendors who really like bare metal experience. Uh, first question is, uh, you, is there NVIDIM and RDMA in the roadmap, one? Okay. Uh, two is, it wasn't clear from a description how, for example, VMware, BMW on uh, i3 has vSwitches as well as ENIs to connect into Amazon. How does one repeat that? For example, if I had multiple bare machines that I want to have mm -hmm. VLANs for my own internal communication and also have an ENI, right. it was not very clear uh, description. That would help okay. as well. Uh, so the first question on um, uh, NVDIMS and, um, and RDMA. Uh, so uh, these are the kinds of things that, um, that are um, you know, potential new technology to be integrated in, in EC2, uh, but not necessarily uh, require, it doesn't necessarily require bare metal. Uh, and so, um, so th there, there are definitely uh, uh, components that customers are, tell us they're interested in, um, but we're, we're still learning uh, uh, what, uh, how best to support customer use cases. So um, it's definitely technology that's on our overall technology oh, roadmap. WeSend requires that too for their own roadmap <laughs> as well. Right, right. So, so NVDIMs and uh, uh, for, for VCN in particular. It's something that uh, you know that we've talked to VM, VMware about as well. So we're still uh, still kind of in the exploration phase. Uh, but uh, if if you have time after the talk to talk about specific use cases, and uh, sure. then that, that that might help. Uh, RD made kind of a similar a similar thing. It's uh, um, uh, with the the hardware that we have uh, with Annapurna Labs. It's a capability that we can add to our systems. Um, but uh, we, we still want to make sure that uh, RDMA can be really used for kind of a couple of broad cla uh, categories of, of systems, like RDMA for storage is a little bit different than RDMA for messaging. Uh, so uh, that's a good we're still, still understanding kind of uh, what, what the customers, what the working backward from customers uh, uh, is, gonna, is going to be for that. Yeah, to follow up, right, there's a mini hardware technologies that, that we could use in this particular case, but as Matt said, you don't necessarily need it in bare metal. So the stories about and the way that people would plan on using these are how we're, you know, prioritizing and working through them. Yep. Um, and so the second question about uh, kind of replicating a more extensive um, uh, additional network overlay or uh, connectivity, it, that's one of the things that, uh, that has been the most uh, collaborative engineering effort between uh, EC2 uh, and VMware, because uh, there are a lot of details to get right to make it all work. Um, and so all the uh, uh, kind of uh, underlying pieces that, that uh, VMware is able to use with, uh, with, with, their, uh, with their virtual switch and with NSX and overlay networks um, uh, can work for uh, other use cases that are running on bare metal. But um, 
uh, you have to work within the, um, the features that are supported in EC2 networking generally because the, uh, the VPC elastic network interface that's presented over ENA is still a, a VPC interface. So that means that uh, uh, some it's of the things... It's still an ENI, that, like a private IP? Yeah, it's still an ENI. So, so you can use private IPs, you can use uh, secondary IPs, you can use with uh, I3 Metal, you can use uh, secondary ENIs. You can attach up to 15 additional... Uh, uh, network interfaces and have different uh, subnets that are surfaced on them. Oh, so, so I can have virtual, uh, essentially ENIs, each one of those ENAs. Okay, I didn't realize right. that was actually, yeah. okay. All yeah. right. and, and you can attach and detach those uh, devices uh, just like you would on a virtualized EC2 instance where um, uh, when you do that on like a C5 instance or R4, uh, there's a hot plug event and the device shows up or disappears. The same thing happens with uh, with the, the bare metal instance. Ah, thank you. Go ahead. A uh, couple questions. Uh, so, what's the ballpark figure for our hardware cost per node? Are we talking like twenty-five grand? Uh, so we so that everything in terms of pricing is just like in other EC2 instances. So no, I it, know. Well, yeah. What's what's ballpark figure for your guys' cost? I realize you buy so it by, that's, by that's, the racks, that's, but so that's not something that, that we'll we'll get into. Uh, Fair in enough. Q&A. Uh, are there options Good to? Try, though. <laughs> I, I'd had to try. Yeah. Uh, like putting a one and a half terabyte uh, of memory in these. I'm, I'm thinking like you know lar just massive Oracle instances sure. or RDS instances. Well, yeah, RDS um, is managed, but so uh, it's one of the things that um, that uh, is sometimes challenging with virtualization is scaling up to many CPUs and tremendous amounts of RAM. Uh, and so I think that the bare metal instances in this capability will. Uh, will make it possible to, to, to do uh, much larger instances. Although today uh, we, we have X1 and X1E instances mm -hmm. that get up to uh, four terabytes of RAM. Yeah. Uh, one final question is, is, I guess, bordering on off, uh, off topic uh, or more VMware. Uh, given that you have uh, an NVMe interfaces to EBS and so on and so forth, mm -hmm. uh, why do we not have uh, EBS volumes as, as VMware data stores, for example? Why, why vSAN as opposed to the full spectrum, so like an, EFS and so on? Uh, so to do that, I'm not a, an expert in, in, uh, in, in non-vSAN or even vSAN VMware data store options, but um, uh, to, to do things without vSAN, you need to have shared storage. And today, EBS doesn't support multi-attach. That's the main thing. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, can we put the um, bare metal instance and the QM instance and the uh, Zen instance in the same VPC? Absolutely. So, uh, so the, um, the all, no matter what technology is used, if it's uh, Zen-based virtualization or KVM-based virtualization or bare metal, uh, these are all EC2 instances, and they all live within a VPC. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. So, um, when uh, is there uh, are there any limits on auto scaling that we have to be aware of, um, or are there any top limits on? Um, I'm sure there are some soft limits on uh, the bare metal instances. Um, so, if you could answer that question. So, the, the uh, in terms of auto scaling and how auto scaling interacts, um, the, the uh, bare metal instances are like other instances. Um, so, auto scaling can uh, can provision new instances when you need. Uh, if you're going to you know, scale it for capacity, if you're following some CloudWatch uh, metric, for example, 
um, and and scale them down when you don't need to. So it, it's uh, I'm not I'm not aware of any uh, uh, kind of limitations no. uh, right now as far as how that might have any difficulty because of barrier analysis. The second question is more around networking, uh, and is this um, uh, on a completely different network altogether, or is this uh, the same network in which uh, AWS is built on? Uh, I did see 25 gig uh, uh, in, in the screenshot that was provided. Right, right. So uh, the the um, the infrastructure that we have for bare metal instances, um, uh, uh, when it when uh, on on the customer side, it's everything's in the VPC. On the physical physical network infrastructure, uh, everything for EC2 is in uh, is in uh, one network fabric. Um, we have multiple different kind of uh, versions of the network fabric uh, technology, including 10, 10 gigabit networks and 25 gigabit network kind of physical Ethernet technology. But um, the better better metal instances, um, uh, and is, they're in the same overall. Uh, uh, fabric as everything else, so that you have uh, the the high bandwidth uh, connectivity to other uh, to other EC2 instances or other AWS services without going through choke points. So, based on time, I'm going to ask you guys to limit it to one question each. Next, I'm sorry, but uh, we'll go over here for the next one. Actually, I'm sorry, you you were waiting. Yeah, we'll go, sorry. We have a queue over here. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the Nitro card is during the boot up process. You call services on it. And um, it's basically setting up right EBS volumes and all the information it needs down there. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that the, they actually expose a TCP like REST interface and have their own command plane? I guess command. So, so the the if you have a, a physical server that has a, these nitro cards in them, there there's a a a control point for all the devices, uh, and an API that's a secured API that other. Uh, EC2 internal services used to call into the service to program them so that if you have let's say an EBS volume that needs to be serviced on a particular NVMe interface in the hardware, you can say this volume goes here and, uh, and then it, it uh, connects up to the EBS server and then surfaces that, uh, that volume to you as NVMe. So, yes. so like literally like it has its own like IP based network type so uh, we we build network services in at, at AWS. That's the thing we know. You know, we kind of decompose uh, uh, larger problems into distributed system problems with kind of uh, microservices or service-oriented architecture, however you want to kind of uh, talk about it. But uh, yeah, in, in this case, the, the, there is uh, there's an interface, there's an API that, that uh, other services can use that's serviced over the network. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Will you support other virtualization technologies like uh, VirtualBox? So uh, other virtualizations like uh, technologies like VirtualBox, um, uh, VirtualBox can can use uh, Intel virtualization technology, you know, VTX, and uh, so long as VirtualBox works well on Intel processors with uh, with VTX, then there's no reason why it doesn't why it shouldn't work well uh, on i3 um, uh, or any other bare metal instance. So with VMC, uh, the smallest cluster size is like four nodes, and that comes to about 200 grand a year from the price point of view, which makes it very expensive. Uh, other plans to introduce maybe smaller instances? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk more uh, offline if you're interested. Absolutely. 
Thanks. Um, so as a customer who uses a lot of i3 16x large, mm -hmm. um, you said that's an equivalent price uh, between those and the bare metal. Is there any reason why we would not want to just switch all our instances over to metal if it's a single application? Um, so there are some reasons why you might not. Um, and part of it is um, going back to kind of the, um, the system that you have now. Um, you have an AMI, uh, an AMI that, uh, that's hopefully working well for you. Um, to adopt I3 Metal, you're going to need to make sure that that uh, AMI works well uh, using boot from NVMe and uh, ENA for networking. And um, so, so there's, there's that. Um, uh, I think, I think beyond beyond that it um uh, well, I, I think that uh, we're we'll, we're going to have to hear from customers like you on like what's what what's working better what's working you know the provisioning time for um for for um for uh like an i3 16 extra large versus a metal um because we're doing a lot of uh of of hardware level verification tasks um there's a possibility that you know, that uh, we can spin up instances a little bit faster if we have virtualization there, um, but uh, we're also trying to make bare metal provisioning as uh, impossibly fast as possible. Right. And I'm sorry, it's really quick, but this falls under the the RI uh, exchange, right? Okay. With. I'm sorry. Uh, so if they have uh, i3 16 extra large. Oh yes. Uh, RIs, yep. will they be that, able to exchange yes, they them will. for? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Go ahead. Um, it's not really a, a, one more after this one. a metal question, just more about the KVM mm -hmm. uh, hypervisor. Will okay. that allow um, console access to instances? So um, will KVM allow console access to So inter interactive remote KV like uh, keyboard ver uh, yes. video I, mouse so type. Or even, even just screen. And non interactive okay. screen rather than screenshots. So, so it's, it's a little bit orthogonal to the virtualization technology because uh, we, could, we could make an interactive uh, serial console or VGA um, experience on Zen or KVM or even bare metal uh, since we have the hardware that we can use to build that kind of thing. Um, but um, so it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily something that is magically enabled because you introduce right. a new hypervisor. Um, Okay, thank you very much. So we'll stick around for uh, any other questions. Enjoy the rest of the show.